I'm Brett McGarry. This week on The Couch Potatoes, a Canadian TV show, Shit's Creek gets some major love from MTV, leading many to call for the comedy to get some long-deserved recognition from the Emmys. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Avengers Endgame is set to be re-released with some new footage. We'll tell you all about it. And so far, the 2019 summer movie season has been a huge flop. What's the deal with that? I'm a terrible Seinfeld. You do it better. Well, it's a dial of that. That's pretty good. Let's begin. (laughs) (laughs) I watched a new movie on Netflix this week, and you probably did too, at least according to Netflix. Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston star in Murder Mystery. Charles is inviting us to spend the weekend with him on a yacht. Crushing the party with civilians. You're an actress, right? Grace Bella. I am Nick Spitz. This is my wife, Allison. I can't Audrey, believe it. Uh, Audrey. I'm Audrey. I said Audrey. <laughs> There's been a murder. Should we pull it up? No, it's a foot long now. <laughs> Will you listen to my husband? He's a detective. I'll put it back. Don't put it back. <laughs> Did you notice anything out of the ordinary? They are Americans. But we didn't do this. Someone's trying to frame us. We do things together, so can we please just figure this out? It's just like death in the library. What happens in death in the library? They died. That's why it's called death in the library. Murder Mystery. What a lazy title. But it does tell you what the movie is. Sandler and Aniston play Nick and Audrey Spitz, a New York couple on vacation. He's a cop and she's a hairdresser. They meet a mysterious millionaire played by Luke Evans on their flight to Europe, and he invites them to spend the weekend sailing to Monaco on his billionaire uncle's yacht, where they will launch the Grand Prix. The uncle is played by Terrence Stamp. And there are a number of other guests on board the yacht. A colonel, an actress, a race car driver, a maharaja, and some family members. They're all in the same room. Uncle Stamp makes everyone mad at him. The lights go out. A knife goes into Stamp. The lights come on. Who done it? It's a comedy, and it's rated, I guess, PG-13. There are a few S-words, but no F-bombs. There's violence, obviously, but nothing graphic. Since Sandler's a cop and Aniston's obsessed with these murder mystery books, they set out to solve the crime, but they also become the prime suspects. That's the basic setup. So, is it any good? We'll get to that in a minute. But first, Netflix is revealing some rare data on how many people watched Murder Mystery last weekend when it first dropped. ABC's Jason Nathanson has the details. Looks like Netflix viewers love the combo of Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston. Are you kidding me? Netflix says their comedy Murder Mystery had the biggest opening weekend ever for a Netflix film, watched by more than 30 million accounts worldwide in its first three days. More than 13 million in North America, and if that were in theaters at an average ticket price of about nine bucks, that would be a monster $120 million opening weekend. Couple of things on that. Number one, movie critics and other box office and TV ratings hawks are very, very skeptical of any numbers doled out by Netflix. There's no arm's length body or third party involvement. Basically, no way to prove Netflix is telling the truth. It's their claim and needs to be taken with a big grain of salt. Maybe that 13 million number in North America is real, but what about the number of people who turned it off after 15 minutes? Does that count? The translation of box office dollars is also ridiculous. I watched it at home and would never have bought a ticket to go see it in theater. If it's just sitting there for free, fine. The cost of 
rigmarole of going to the theater. Nuh-uh. And I suspect that would be the way for millions of others as well. Still, I don't doubt that it's been very popular, and it should be. It's fairly entertaining. It's not a great movie. I would be hesitant to call it a good movie even, but it is watchable. And it delivers a little kick at the end, so you actually feel pretty good about it when the credits roll. It helps if you like mystery movies, and it helps if, like me, you're a little dumb. Uh, I've said it many times, if I can figure out the mystery of a movie, everyone can. And this one I couldn't. I thought I had it, but I was sort of playing right into their hands, thinking what they wanted me to think, and then they pulled the rug out from under me. So the ending I found to be unexpected, which is what you want in a mystery. Unfortunately, though, Brett, it's also a comedy, and it's just not very funny. I laughed out loud, I think, three times, and didn't laugh at all the rest of the time, and that's over 90 minutes, so it's a problem. It suffers from what uh, so many Adam Sandler movies in the last 20 years have suffered, that he's not really trying his hardest, it seems. I know this because he's a super funny dude, and if he wanted to be very funny, he could be. He also likes being very comfortable and having fun with his friends while he works, and I think his art suffers for it. I honestly don't know what's behind, what the behind-the-scenes situation is or what his life is like on a day-to-day basis, but something is keeping him from living up to his potential, because when he's funny, he's about as funny as you can be, and he is still funny. He didn't lose it. His stand-up comedy special on Netflix earlier this year proved that. That's pure gold, but for some reason, it's not translating into his movies, but with Murder Mystery, at least there's a mystery to get involved in, which is why I tuned in, and the plot movement sort of kept the movie afloat. I will give it three couch cushions out of five for a Netflix movie, probably two or two and a half tops if it were a theatrical release. And a couple other performance notes I wanted to mention. The guy who plays the Maharaja is the funniest. His name is Adil Akhtar, and he was the brother in The Big Sick, where he stole all his scenes there as well. And Olafur Dari Olafsson plays a guy named Sergei, the colonel's bodyguard. Wouldn't have noted him two weeks ago, but he's the lead guy in the Icelandic murder mystery show Trap that you've been riding for a couple of years. Yeah! And I just started watching it recently, so I was like, what? He's in it? Small world. Uh, although I've since gone to his IMDb, and I found that he's been in several other things I've seen. It just didn't register because I guess he wasn't the lead role. Uh, apparently he was in the Meg last year. I do not recall him being in the Meg last year. I think I remember that. He was I, also in True Detective. Had a small really? role in the first True Detective. Yeah, you remember when Matthew McConaughey goes to no. goes to this little <laughs> bar, and I can't remember what the, the context was of the circumstances, but he goes to see this big, burly guy, and he says, there's a shadow on your soul. And that's the guy. If I ever see you here again, I'll end you. Or something to that effect. Zoinks. Big, like, menacing guy. That's funny. And uh, it, it, I had no idea at the time. And even when I watched Trapped, I didn't know it wasn't until I looked up yeah. his credits. Like, oh, yeah, he was in True Detective. Good so Lord. So his IMDb is like a, a big mix of what I assume are Icelandic productions and then what are also Hollywood productions. Yeah, I got a comment on the Netflix numbers. I remember a few months back, I was talking about, there were a couple of shows that I was watching on Netflix. One was Sex Education, this yeah. British comedy show, and there was another show called You, which was about this guy who's like a serial stalker. And Netflix was saying, like, 40 million people had watched it, both of them, yeah, or yeah. something like that. So the head of FX, a CEO, John Landgraf, came out and said, yeah. Netflix is not telling you the whole story. So he says that an average audience of uh, 40 million would not only make you and Sex Education the two most watched shows on television, but that's actually, he says that 40 million people have watched at least one episode. They're not watching every episode. So a lot of people are tuning in, but it averages out to like maybe 8 million viewers, which is still very good, but it's not the biggest show in the land as Netflix 
likes to claim their stuff is. So yeah, whenever they release numbers, I don't even pay attention anymore. Yeah, it's bizarre, and I'm, I'm uh, I guess I'm not surprised that they do it or that they get away with it. It's just it seems so silly. They, sh- they should for just for our sake, they should have to be forced to like put out the proper numbers or something. And you think it should that, be easy to do? Yeah, and you'd think that it would be they they should have to release the numbers for their shareholders or whatever. But yeah, yeah. that's above my pay grade in terms yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. things I care about. I don't really care about business well, stuff. Well, and I mean. He's in that uh, Jason Nathanson bit that he said if everyone bought a ticket for nine dollars, which when's the last time you spent only nine dollars on a movie ticket? They cost twelve dollars. Yeah, minimum. Maybe it's nine bucks in the states. I guess I don't know. But a hundred twenty million dollar opening weekend for an Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston movie in twenty nineteen would never happen. No, 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 it would never happen. I did actually. Even if, if it, even if they called it Avengers Five, it would never happen. If <laughs> if the numbers are true and it would have made a hundred and twenty million dollars, that would have helped at the box office this season. So let's get into that in a moment. It's been a crappy season so far for movies. Why is that? It's up next on the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Going to talk some summer box office now. A slew of underperforming sequels and reboots have marked the summer movie season so far. The so-called franchise fatigue came to a head this past weekend with the release of Men in Black International and Shaft. We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu. And dismissed just as quickly. Time to prove yourself, Agent M. We may have a problem in London. Welcome to MIB. Move it, I lose it! You will be with Agent H, one of the best ever to wear this suit. Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's taco day. I think more people went for tacos last weekend than went to see Men in Black International. It was number one, but it only earned $28.5 million. The three previous Men in Black films all opened to more than $50 million, not even accounting for inflation. However, international audiences helping a little bit. It's made $73.7 million from 36 different countries, bringing its global total to $102.2 million. Still a big disappointment. Shaft, meantime, came in six on its opening weekend with just $8.3 million. Overall, not a great summer. Avengers Endgame, of course, is the exception that proves the rule. It's $832 million and counting in North America. Accounts for almost 40% of the whole summer slate. I read one report that said heading into last summer, the numbers were actually higher than, or last weekend, rather, the numbers were actually higher than last year, but because of Avengers, I guess. But the Men in Black brought the numbers down. No point in really hammering numbers season-wide too hard mid-season, and Toy Story 4 comes out this weekend, so that stands to bump them all up again anyways. But clearly, the last few weeks have stunk for sure. April ended with the Avengers. Nothing big wanted to compete with that for a couple of weeks. Then Detective Pikachu came out. It was a moderate hit. Then John Wick 3, also a moderate hit. May 24th, Aladdin was a decent hit. And then the bad stuff really happened. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, less than $100 million in North America, less than $300 million around the world, followed the next week by X-Men Dark's Phoenix, which barely made $50 million in North America. A huge flop. And The Secret Life of Pets 2 has just cracked $100 million in North America, which pales in comparison to the first Secret Life of Pets. And then last weekend's poor showing for Men in Black International. 
That is a rough stretch. All sequels, those last four, none particularly well-liked. Maybe the pets got decent reviews. Uh, a lot of articles saying it's because the movies suck that the numbers are down. I don't know if it is that or if people just aren't interested in those IPs anymore, the intellectual property. I suppose if the reviews for Godzilla were actually good, I might have gone. Same with X-Men. But I also know I had no yearning desire to see any X-Men or Godzilla movie this summer. So I, that's what it stands at so far. But like I said, the Toy Story 4 might help. But there's not a whole lot left coming out this summer either. I wanted to point something out here, Jeff, uh, to offer you some, I don't want to say vindication, but I found a, a kindred spirit, if if you will. There's an article on a website called TheRinger.com, the headline, Summertime Sadness at the Box Office, and I was just doing some research on this. And this author, this writer, beat the exact same drum on you on the Shaft thing. So they say, and the third Shaft movie, simply named Shaft, seriously, why do they all have the same name? Five five Shaft movies and three of them are named Shaft. That is ridiculous. You make a good point, though, on Godzilla. I have been very excited about that movie for a long time, because I like... Yeah. I like watching big things go smashy, smashy on right. the big screen. And while I, I liked that first Godzilla movie, I didn't love it. But I've, I've watched it a couple of times since then, and I've sort of grown to like it more. So I was excited to see this because it looked like maybe they did it right with actual Godzilla monsters we're familiar with. But when the reviews were ho-hum, I didn't bother. Same thing for Dark Phoenix uh and that, I mean, they were up against it with that. That movie's been had so much bad press right. for months and months. And unless it got smash hit reviews, I wasn't going to go see that. But that's weird because these are movies that I would have gone to see regardless yeah, yeah. in the past. Could be the fact that I'm just getting older and I'm starting to care less about this stuff. Or it could just be that I have more options for quality entertainment. So you reference, like, I don't know if it's just the fact that the movies suck. I think it's just people have too many choices as to where they can get good content and if the reviews aren't great then they'll just say i'll just find something else at home yeah and yeah and it's like i'll only make the effort to go to a place go to the theater and spend money when i know it's going to be good and and that's that you know goes back to the 80s and 90s where people would only go see two or three movies a year yeah. instead of like the last 20 years it feels like a lot especially the younger crowd go twice a month and maybe had the movie theaters gotten out ahead of streaming because i do think streaming is king now uh, i think if they had because movie theaters it's not that they're not trying like you've got landmark cinemas for example in this country they've they've put in their recliner their fancy full recliner seating where you have tons of leg room yeah that's a premium experience cineplex uh you know they they tried i think with that vip experience i'm not a huge fan of the vip experience at least in terms of taking full advantage of it where they come serve you at their your seat because it's super awkward because they have to still walk through the aisle and there's no leg room so you, you have to move to let a server go by to serve you i think that's pointless <laughs> i still haven't i i've been to a vip once and it was years ago before it was a thing across the country it was in in toronto and it was the angley hulk movie yeah and that's the only time i've been to vip and i frankly don't even remember 
I don't even think we ordered snacks for it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, like I like, kind of like the idea of being served at my seat, but it's just such an awkward ordeal. So I would rather just go to the Landmark Cinemas and sit in the recliner where I have t- tons and tons of leg room. Also where I can buy my ticket with my phone easily and reserve specific seats and I don't have to like race down there or stand in line and all that nonsense. Yeah, the fact that some of the theaters still don't let you reserve seats is stupid. Cineplex also doing other things like they're making these big, uh, one, one place is called a rec room they're just they're building these massive entertainment destinations where you can go see a movie where you will have multiple dining options where there are games like so like you go out and make that's your whole night you're not just like i'll often go to a movie and then i'll go somewhere else to get a drink afterwards to have a debrief because i like to chat about the movie after and so sort of let it soak in but if they can do that all in one spot good idea but is it too late? You know, I think they, they, they should really just focus on making the theater as comfortable as it is at home. Uh, Landmark Cinemas, they've done a great job with that. So we'll see if, you know, Spider-Man 2 is coming out next month. Maybe that'll be a big hit. Maybe Avengers. We'll talk more about the Avengers in a moment. But before we get to that, let's just quickly have a look at what is coming to home video. Everyone remembers the moment they fell in love with Dumbo. Wonder. For a whole new generation. You can do it, Dumbo. Show me. Dumbo. Rated PG. March 29th. That's Pinocchio. Oh, no. I mean, that's Dumbo. <laughs> Tim Burton's Dumbo. It is actually, uh, I think, a pretty decent-sized hit, uh, just sort of sneakily. So that comes out on Digital HD and on Blu-ray DVD on Tuesday. Next Monday on Digital HD, it's HBO show Chernobyl for purchase, I guess. Okay. Digital HD. Why would you... You can always just watch it whenever you want on the well, app, right? I guess if, you ha- if you're if you a subscriber, you can watch yeah. it on demand. Maybe if you're not a subscriber, this will let you there get you in go. on that one. So if you want to get in on that, everyone says it's good, including Brett. Also on Digital HD on Tuesday, uh, Pet Cemetery and that movie Little, which was the opposite of Big. Yep, that's right. And up next, we're going to tell you about the fact that the Avengers are coming back to theaters. But aren't they still in the theaters? You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Avengers Endgame is still in theaters, but as of next week, it's set to have new footage. Before we're done, we still have one promise to keep. If we can't protect the Earth, we can be damn sure we'll avenge it. So this from ET Canada and many other sources. Marvel fans won't have to wait for the Avengers Endgame Blu-ray to see the film's deleted scenes. The head of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, revealed to Screen Rant that the box office mega-hit would be on the big screen once again with not an extended cut, but a version going into the theaters with a bit of a marketing push with a few new things at the end of the movie. He added, if you stay and watch the movie, after the credits there will be a deleted scene, a little tribute, 
and a few surprises. The tribute will be to Stan Lee. Now, while it is still unknown how much new footage will be in the film, the new version will hit theaters again the weekend of June 28th, so next weekend. It's already broken many box office records. It's now the second highest grossing film of all time worldwide, just behind James Cameron's 2009 hit Avatar. And... Avatar was at 2.788 billion heading into this weekend. Endgame, 2.744 billion. So it only has 44 million to go to catch Avatar. And this re release could conceivably push it over the edge. It's not going to catch Star Wars The Force Awakens on the domestic front, though, because Force Awakens is at 936 million. Endgame is at, as Jeff mentioned earlier, 832 mil. I think they did that to themselves with the excessive runtime. And I think, to be quite frank, it's just not as rewatchable, I think, as Infinity War. It's just a long, slow movie at times. Great movie. It's just kind of long. But you rewatched it. Yeah, and, and the box office stuff baffles me because, I mean, even like Titanic always comes into the conversation too. But, you know, this played on so many more screens than Titanic did, and the ticket price was probably almost double. Yeah. But Titanic was in theaters for 10 whole months. Yeah. Which this will never do because there's just not that much time and space. There's so many movies. So it's it's so hard to really... Once you get more than a few years away from other movies, even Avatar is probably too long ago now to faithfully compare these things until you bring inflation into it. And as soon as you do that, Gone of the Wind still wins because it played for like two years because it was the only movie out there for that stretch of time or a stretch of time. So I don't know. It's kind of weird, but I do. I would rather say Avengers is the number one movie all time over Avatar any day of the week. And yeah, I did rewatch this this week and it's still great. Uh, I was sort of expecting not to be into it as much because unlike the other Marvel movies, this one really was about answering all those questions we'd had for a year since Infinity War and this time I already knew the answer is Going in, but I was still as enthralled as the first time and probably able to enjoy it a little more on some levels because it wasn't wrapped up in wondering how it would turn out. This thing still plays beautifully. I can see it actually being my favorite, at least for a while. I think it is probably as rewatchable as Infinity War. I also think I don't can see there'll be a situation where I would watch one without watching the other either. They're a, they come, they're a pair, and they'll be watched as a pair for the end of time. I'll watch one on Friday night and the next one on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three hours flew by. Again, it helped that I could go to the bathroom twice, not worrying about missing anything. And the epic nature of the movie was even more apparent as I was sort of aware that it was switching into its different acts along the way. Uh, it, it is still playing like we've been mentioning, so I don't want to do any spoilers. Some people, I'm sure, want to see it but can't make it to the theater and are going to wait for it to come home on Blu-ray, DVD, or digital HD. Uh, it also made me realize something about the forthcoming MCU movies, like Spider-Man Far From Home next month, and how that might play after the ending to Avengers Endgame. We only know what we saw in Endgame in one particular place. Uh, a goal was achieved, a big fight happened, a montage happened, and a scene at the woods happened. Doesn't tell us much about the big picture overall. Hate to leave it vague like that, but again, spoilers. I, I am, though, even more optimistic about the future of the MCU than I was, although they're pretty tight-lipped so far about the next phases. I, I think that's what the special surprise is, Feige mentioned. I, I bet you we see a, a trailer for one of these, like there's like a Kung Fu movie or something coming out, right? Oh yeah, that's right. They're going to have their first uh, Asian lead. Yeah, their lead film. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if we either see a scene from that or a teaser for that of some sort. Something to indicate what what was it phase four or five or whatever we're going into shang chi yeah is going to be the name of that film may or maybe they'll uh there'll be some sort of x-men 
teaser, yeah. right? That's true. Maybe just something like where Wolverine's claws just pop onto the screen. I don't know. Phase five, X-Men. Man. So I, I think they're actually going to get my money again, in spite of the fact that I want to see... That's, I would have waited two weeks if I knew that this was going to be a thing. But I also did... I thoroughly enjoyed uh, racing out of the theater as soon as the credits started. Oh, because you had <laughs> Which I've back never in? done before with an MCU movie. Oh, yeah, that's right, because you already <laughs> yeah. knew what was there. But yeah, I wanted to see Godzilla, didn't get around to that. Wanted to see Dark Phoenix, didn't get around to that. I probably could still go see How to Train Your Dragon. I don't know if that's playing in the sort of the, the cheap theaters, like the rewatch. Second run theaters, probably it's probably too late for that. But there's all these movies I don't want to see, and I'm just going to go see Avengers again and for then, a third time. And in a couple weeks, it'll be Spider-Man. That's right. And there's still a Tarantino movie coming out in July, too, I think, or is that in August? Plus Hobbs and Shaw. So there's a there's still a few more of this summer, even though summer hasn't been what we've hoped it would be. That Hobbs and Shaw movie is going to do very well. And as you pointed out earlier, Toy Story 4 is going to be huge this weekend. Hey, I just wanted to take uh, another moment here to tell you about something that I started watching. A new show on HBO Canada. It's called Jet, and it stars Carla Gugino, who plays a world-class thief, fresh out of jail, and she gets sucked back into the old life. Staying out of trouble? Keeping it real simple. Work, family, home. Where have you been hiding? Plain sight. Go to the safe and open it. Why don't you run You're the only person that can do this job. And I need this done. Honestly, at the bed, I would be. As of today, you work for me. I knew the risks I want to end. I don't care who gets hurt. You run the job, but we run the show. What happened? I got shot. You got shot? A shot. You got a shot. It's important to know what you're good at. I'm a thief. That's what I'm good at. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? I want to end So Jet started on June 14th. It airs on Friday nights. And when I first saw the trailer for this show, I got excited because it's actually a Cinemax show. They do a lot of pulpy, hard-boiled action crime stuff like Banshee a few years back. The trailer looked exciting and sexy. Carla Gugino is wonderful in everything she's in. One of the co-stars, too, is Giancarlo Esposito, a.k.a. Gus Fring from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Interesting premise, this Woman gets out of jail. She's got a young daughter. She's working as a bartender to make ends meet. As mentioned, she gets called back into her old life. Things very quickly go bad. I was hoping for that first episode to be more exciting, but it wasn't. So I think I'll give it one more chance. And if it doesn't grab me, I'm out because I still got a PVR full of stuff. I got to watch the last season of Into the Badlands from AMC. Have you started elementary yet? No, I haven't started <laughs> elementary. I've got like four episodes piled up of The Amazing Race, maybe five. Uh, Brooklyn like Nine-Nine, I still got three episodes. It's eight, happening again, Jeff. 80 episodes of uh, Modern Family. That's oh, well, uh, well, the. Yeah. 
because I got a new PVR, so I lost all those oh, okay. Modern Family episodes. So I'm going to have to catch up on those on Netflix somehow. But I'm doing it to myself again. I'm just letting everything pile up. Like I watched Jack Reacher last week for the very first time. I watched the, like this semi-okay movie from Tom Cruise when I could be watching actual quality shows that are on my PVR. So I'll figure it out one day. But up next, we want to tell you about a Canadian show that... I might have to add to my must-watch list because it's getting some serious love as it heads into its final season. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are The Couch Potatoes. As mentioned off the top of the show, some big love for a big Canadian TV show, which The Couch Potatoes, I think, have to admit, we've never really shown it. I've watched one or two episodes and there was something about it rubbed me the wrong way and I didn't like it, so I dropped out and now everyone loves it it's a cbc show called shit's creek spelled s-c-h-i-t-t it stars two comedy geniuses Catherine o'hara and eugene levy it's about a rich family that loses it all except for this small town they own called shit's creek here's a clip from season five well, spoken, John. That's goodbye in the mother tongue. Okay, well, I'll sign off too, sweetheart. Lots to do, but uh, wishing you an exciting... Okay, yep. Miss you too. She already hung up. Burn, Dad. Oh, God, that's so embarrassing. You must feel ridiculous. Chris Elliott's also in it, and he's... He's, that's almost worth the price of admission right there. Really? I, sh- I should give another chance. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it for the last couple of years. I do remember that first season. It did rub a lot of people the wrong way, but I just never got around to watching it. It's now filming its sixth and final season, and it really has exploded in popularity the last year or so. In the United States, it airs on a small network called Pop TV, but previous seasons are available on Netflix. And it was a surprise winner at the MTV Movie and TV Awards on Saturday, June 15th, when Dan Levy, who stars on and co-created the series won Best Comedic Performance, defeating the other nominees Aquafina for Crazy Rich Asians, John Mulaney for Big Mouth, Zachary Levi in Shazam, and Marci Martin for Little. That's the movie, you mentioned it during the home right. video, yeah. that's the movie where the mean business lady gets transformed into a kid. Here's Dan Levy's acceptance speech. Thank you to MTV. I actually started my career at MTV, so this is an insane full circle moment. I'm Canadian, this is very overwhelming for me. It likely won't be funny. Uh, But I will say this, it's very hard to be funny if you don't have people to be funny with. So for that, I want to thank our brilliant cast, many of whom are here tonight. Uh, I would like to thank my dad, uh, Eugene Levy, who I feel like, through some kind of osmosis DNA, has given me just a taste of the talent that he has. If I have taken anything uh, away from making Schitt's Creek, it's that kindness always wins, that love is best served unconditionally, and that wearing sweaters in the dead of summer is a very, very bad idea. Thank you so much. Happy Pride, everybody. He mentioned he started his career at MTV. He used to co-host those, like, The Hills after show. Sort oh, of really? A, yeah. Okay. So I thought, I realized that as soon as he said it, I thought, that's where I recognize that guy. <laughs> um, and also should point out, there are now many 
calling for Schitt's Creek to get some recognition at the Emmys. Entertainment Weekly, for example, a major publication in the United States, now pounding the drum to get Schitt's Creek nominated at the Emmys. So maybe we'll see some more Canadian... Orphan Black was a huge Emmy nominee and winner for a time. They loved that show, and it was Canadian, so maybe the same will happen for Schitt's Creek. All right, we'll find out. This week, uh, besides the Avengers, I also rewatched at home, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. Boom, that's my favorite scene in the whole trilogy. Uh, It's been years since I've watched it. It'll be 18 years this Christmas since it came out, the first one, The Fellowship of the Ring, which kind of blows my mind. It's probably been since 2012 since I've watched it. I used to watch it once a year. I think the Hobbit trilogy is good as parts of that were. Turned me off Middle Earth for a while. By the time we got to the end of the Battle of the Five Armies or whatever it's called, I just didn't need to go back to Middle Earth anytime soon. The original three still hold up great. I was a little worried because things have a way of suddenly becoming very dated, and that is especially true of visual effects. There are a couple of rough spots, but they're the same rough spots as before. Gollum isn't convincing all the time, and I must say, is not the wondrous creation he once was, but it's mostly serviceable, and sometimes usually in in a wide shot, it looks very photorealistic. There are also a few spots where the body doubles for the hobbits sort of look ridiculous, and not at all like any of the actors in the other shots, but again, that was always the case. And the lion's share of the movies looks so terrific, and the degree of difficulty was so high that you can easily forgive those things. And boy, it still looks good. Movies today don't look this good, and most three-hour movies don't hold together like these do either. There's just so much story to get through, and it's such a good story. I mean, I still drift off whenever Cape Blanchett or Liv Tyler, Tyler on screen because it's just boring. There's too much elvish droning on and on. I really think Peter Jackson only put it in there because there weren't any other women in these entire movies except for Eowyn that had speaking parts. Blanchett and Viggo Mortensen, by the way, look much younger in these movies now as well. Just another thing that made me feel old, and that was sort of the recurring thing through my rewatch, was me remembering watching these movies when they came out and how long ago that was now. Time marches on. I know we have all these new movies every week and year, and the superhero movies make the most noise, but I sort of feel like we've been taking Lord of the Rings for granted. They really are an astonishing set of movies that still hold up just as well as they did when they first came out. Yeah, I I don't... I was like you. I would watch them every year. Usually every December, I would go through the trilogy again, and then I remember trying to do it, and I... Barely made it through the first half of the fellowship, really? and I didn't put the second disc in, and uh, I never finished it. And it took me, I think, two years to finally revisit it. And even though I would like to go back, I can probably just shut my eyes and rewatch it in yeah. my head because I've watched that trilogy like probably ten times now. Same here. There was everything that popped up was just like it had never gone away. You know what I mean? Well, Amazon is uh, working on a Middle-Earth themed television show, so hopefully that's good. How long do you think before someone does these movies again? Oh, I think it's still going to... I hope I hope it's still some time. I hope it's like 30 more years. Yeah. I have no idea. It'll If that Amazon series is very successful, it might not be that long. Okay. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you find podcasts, and make sure you follow us on Twitter at CouchPotatoes68. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Couch Potatoes.